911, what are you reporting? Uh, I got a strange going on out here. Something just killed my dog. Something killed your dog? My dog went flying through the air over the tree. I don't know how it did it. Okay. Damn it, I'm really confused. All I saw was my dog coming over the fence, and Nate was dead when she hit the ground. I didn't see any cars. All I saw was my dog coming over the fence. someone or something crawling around out here. Did you see what it was? Catch it if I was going to chase it, but whatever it was, it was standing up. I'm out here looking through the window now and I don't see anything. I don't want to go outside. Jesus Christ, you better... Sure. See up. Hello. Get somebody out here. What's going on now, sir? That son of a bitch is about six foot nine, I don't know. Do you see him now, sir? Yes, I'm looking right at him. Uh-oh. Hey guys, and welcome to tonight's episode of Sasquatch Odyssey. It is Sunday, so this is a bonus show. We normally put the shows out on Friday, but I was super excited about the new show intro, so you guys get a bonus. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. As always, I want to invite you, if you've had an encounter, you'd like to be on the show, shoot me an email. You can get me at brian at sasquatchodyssey.net. you want to send me an email and let me know what you think about the new intro and the new website, I'd love to hear from you guys. If you would, wherever you're listening to the show, whatever podcast player that you listen on, take a couple of seconds and rate the show. Leave us a review. It makes a huge difference. I do have a great guest coming up for you guys on the bonus show tonight. We'll get to Chad here shortly. But as always, I just want to say thank you guys for being here. It means the world to me. I really appreciate each and every one of you guys. So without further ado, let's get to your bonus show tonight. All right, next up, I want to welcome Chad Datema to the show. Chad comes to us from the Lost Cryptids Conservatory. Welcome to the show, Chad. Hey, thanks. Good to be here. Absolutely, man. The pleasure's all mine. So I know you've had multiple encounters and I want to get right into them. So I'm going to kick it over to you and let you sort of take us into that first encounter and uh, tell us what happened out there, man. My very first encounter was actually on my very first time going out specifically to look for Bigfoot. Uh, this is like uh, maybe 11, 12 years ago. Um, uh, I went to go with a friend of mine in Portage County, Ohio. And we camped out for, I believe it was four days and five nights out in the woods. We built a survival shelter and, uh, we, and we spent most of our time in it, except for the first night when we started building it, it was late at night. And uh, Richard is chopping down saplings for the survival shelter. And I'm taking rocks and just banging them together. You know, I, you know I'm new to this. I heard that it worked. So uh, a storm rolled in as we're building the shelter, so we didn't get to finish it. So we had to head back to the property where we had parked because there was a motorhome there. And as we're heading back to the property, I just have this overwhelming feeling that we're being watched and we're being followed. And I keep telling him that. Well, we get up to the camper, and uh, I turn around, I look down. I can see the silhouette of it. Uh, glowing like an 
amber yellow, like a reddish yellow. And I pointed out to, to Richard, and by the time he looks, it's gone. Okay, but I know what I saw there. Can I, I'm not going to say it was a Bigfoot. It was dark, but I saw the silhouette, and I saw the eyes glow. Um, the next day, um, storm clears. He goes, he, he has to work because this is like, through the middle of the work week, he goes to work and I actually did it rained all day. And when he gets home, the rain clears up and I'm trying to show him a device on my phone called toolbox, how it can track your every step to get you back to places. So I go walking around the property where, where this camper is and I walk past where I saw this thing and I stopped and looked at it and estimated its height would have been at least nine feet because I could see the branch above the silhouette. Well, as I turn around and I'm walking back, all of a sudden we hear crack, 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 and this big, huge tree comes falling over to me. Okay, there's no wind or nothing, and this thing is cracking each time. Richard's up by the camper, and he hears it, and he comes running out. Um, you know, don't really know what to think of it. I mean, this is actually my first time specifically looking for them. Had an idea, but uh, so we go back out to the survival shelter. We finished building it. Um, no more bad weather. So we spend all of our time the last, uh, the, the last nights in, in that survival shelter. Well, when we get back to the survival shelter, three broken at about 12 foot up, just a sapling and no way should the wind have broken it. It's right in front of the shelter we're building. And it snapped off like directly in front of it. We kind of find it interesting. Uh, nothing really happens that first night there. Now, the second night, we're sitting around the camp, and all of a sudden, we hear this tree go, snap, and it's right by us. So that catches our interest. But still, really not enough evidence. It's interesting. Um, so we get to, we actually get to our final night there, and he goes to bed a little earlier than me, um, a couple owls start hooting and I start hooting with them and we're carrying on a conversation. He's asleep and, uh, you know, they quit. So after they quit, I get tired. This is about three, four in the morning. I go, I go into the survival shelter to go to bed Well, I'm just falling asleep and the scream of, I mean, the most ungodly scream you could ever hear it like went through your whole body. It woke him out of his sleep. Well, I hear this scream and I pull my gun out. The minute I pull my gun out, all of a sudden I'm like uh, paralyzed. I mean, I'm conscious. I can think. I can hear what's going on. But it's like this pulsating electricity going through my whole body. I can't move. Uh, all right. Um, and and uh, there's actually a video of it where, with me telling Richard, man, I don't feel right. I don't feel right. And while this is all going on, all of a sudden this huge rock comes flying into our camp. And after that rock does, you, know, you can hear Richard in the video saying, oh, my God, what's that smell, man? It smells like a it smells like a stank dog. What's that smell? Now, I didn't smell it, but I did hear and hear the rock come in and stuff, and we did find it later. But uh, I believe him that he smelled it. And that's my first encounter without a daylight sighting. I want to go back real quick, if we could, to the um, the eyes that you saw that, that – glowing uh -huh. yellow w was that eye shine from the moon or something or were they illuminated but there is light out there was light out 
there was light because up at the property they had the the mercury vapor lights. They appeared to glow to me, but there was light sources that could have reflected. So I got gotcha. I, I couldn't tell you either way. What what about the scream? What what can you give the audience sort of an idea of what the scream sounded like? It was so high pitched. It went on for four or five seconds. It seemed maybe longer because just know when this stuff happens, time, it's hard to say time. Sometimes it seems like it's longer than it really is. Sometimes it's, it's shorter than what it really is. It was, it, it sounded like somebody being murdered and it was a one constant, just, just shrill, high pitched shriek scream that literally you could feel in your body. And it was close. It was behind the survival shelter. I mean, it was right there. Mm. So that was your first encounter. What what happened during the second encounter? Okay, see, uh, my second encounter is in a metro park in a uh, suburban area, kind of. Uh, I found this area, and I, I just went out for a walk on a nice day, and and uh, it was like going to spring. It was in the winter, but it was a nice day. So I got out there, and I just find all this structure stuff, which I've been studying, what people say online. I'm like, man, this just doesn't look normal. Then I find this area with these vines all manipulated, pulled out of trees and leaned over old apple growth to create like a like a den or a nest. I'd like a nest. Um, so I started researching that because I didn't think they'd be there. But I, so I find it. I go out on another day and I'm pushing through the area and it's really thick back there. I'm pushing through this really, really thick thick stuff that takes a long time just to get a hundred yards through it takes forever and as i'm pushing through it i hear something in front of me and it's moving and and then i would stop and when i would stop it would stop and then i'd start moving it would start moving i would stop it would it didn't sound like a dog a coyote or animal like that it sounded like it was like climbing over the the falling over trees and stuff uh but as I'm hearing this, all of a sudden, now I hear something louder following me. And I'm thinking, man, I'm uncomfortable. But I know I have to get out of there. So I just keep pushing forward. I'm not going back to towards whatever. I'm alone. Whatever was following me. I get on, the, on this little tiny trail. And whatever was in front of me, I figured would have went straight across this little tiny trail back into the thick stuff. So... I just turned left on this trail and, and walked and started walking around and found this opening and in this opening, there's structures everywhere. So I'm standing there just looking around. And then I hear this high pitch. I don't know if it was a whistle. It was like, Wee! And whether it was a whistle or a squeak, whatever. The minute it did that, which was back from where I just came from, I turn and look towards that way. The minute I turn and look, that way i hear scurrying in front of me and i hear the scurrying in front of me so i turn back in front of me and this this thing if it stood it was on all fours if it stood up i don't think it, it might have been three foot tall maybe not running on all fours right in front of me towards that sound uh it didn't the closest thing i can compare it to is a chimp but it did not look like a chimp and i was fairly close i would say between 60 and 80 feet away this thing maybe a little further i mean this is a long time ago but it was close and evident it just ran right in front of me 
Well, that's and, fascinating. Uh, I left. Yeah, I left after that. Was it on all fours the entire time? The whole time it ran like a dog. Wow. It wasn't a dog, though. Yeah, that's a fascinating encounter, man. In, in a suburban area, I think that's one of the things that people often don't think about when it when it comes to these sort of things. They're, they're everywhere. I mean, I've, I've talked to numerous people that are in relatively suburban areas that have encounters with these things often. That's an interesting encounter for sure. So what other encounters have you had out researching and, and doing what you do with Lost Cryptids Conservatory? Have you had other, I think you said you had a couple of daylight sightings? Yep, that was one. I've had three. The other one was in the same area. Um, I don't remember. It was not long after this. It was during the same season. And I went out to gift them apples. And uh, as I'm leaving after gifting, I just, I got this feeling of being watched. And I turn and I look and there's one five, five and a half foot tall looking through a crotch of a tree at me. And I'm staring at it thinking, am I really seeing this? And then it steps out from behind the tree and stares at me. And I'm reaching for my phone to try to take a picture. And the minute I do, all of a sudden I start feeling this like tingling going through my body. And I was like, oh, no, not this again. So I, I, I left. Again, I'm alone. If I get incapacitated, uh, the first time this happened to me, I couldn't move for several minutes. I was basically paralyzed. So I got out of there. Same area. And uh, that was my second. My third was in Virginia. And I may have been hoaxed on that one. I don't know. Uh, I don't think I was. But I went. Um, I'm not going to name the researchers, but I went for a weekend with them and uh, went walking down a trail with one of them and looked to the left and and uh, there's uh, wasn't very big again five five and a half feet tall staring at the person I was with and not even realizing I'm there and I pointed out and then it like looks at me and just steps back and is gone. Um, I don't think I was hoaxed, but there I may have been. Because, see, I, I wasn't hoaxed in my area because nobody knew I was out there looking, all right? Now, in Virginia, we went there for the purpose of looking for Bigfoot. So it's a possibility. I'd like to think it wasn't, but I, it was daylight, so I, I do consider that a sighting. Yeah, that's, the size is, is very interesting to me. I mean, outside of the, the initial sighting you were talking about where, where the thing was in shadow, I think you said that was much bigger. But the, mm-hmm. the other sightings, they've been relatively small. Did they all look relatively the same as far as their appearance? Not at all. Uh, no, not at all. Uh, just like humans, they have similarities, but they all have different features, different size noses, different size heads, different body builds. Uh, with the shorter ones, I, I believe that they were, they're juveniles, uh, because, because, uh, the only, I've seen a lot of large silhouettes at night and eyes and they're all bigger, but in the day, in the, in the broad daylight, no, they've all been smaller. So I don't know, something to think about what are the, the big ones mostly sleeping during the day and come out at night while the juveniles are day watching or whatever they do. I don't know. Just stuff to think about. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. You know, I don't think anybody knows anything really about the behaviors because, like you said, I think there's so much variation and variety. 
it's it's hard to say what those behaviors are outside of the screams that that you described earlier. Did you hear any other vocalizations during any of the other encounters? Uh, not during the encounters, but I I have had vocalizations um, in Nuevo, Michigan. Uh, I had my niece do scream like she was being murdered. We were up on a big hill out in the middle of the Manistee National Forest on a big river valley system, so it echoes. And after she did it, there was nothing. And then I did a very deep bass, just like, as loud as I could. And when I finished, and we even have this on recording, something replied to me twice, back to back. And it's recorded. We have it. That's sometimes I think they're the they'll they'll mimic back with owls. I believe that it's in their best interest to to stay hidden at night is to mimic the other animals because we don't think anything of it. Can I prove it? No, but it it makes sense to me. And uh, owls are one of the common things they use to mimic to communicate with each other. Yeah, you're definitely not the first person to say that to me. I've interviewed other people, and and they have. One, one guy in particular has a lot of activity around his property and he he interacts often with these creatures and that's one of the ways that he says he communicates with them and they communicate with each other is through owl calls day and night so I've definitely heard that before what what other strange things have you seen out there man what other encounters have you got um, well we can jump around this year uh, we were uh, up north in the deadstream swamp and one of the guys brought a bunch of Chinese lanterns, and he had a huge one. And he, he lights it off, and it's going up. We're just sitting around camp. And this ball of white light comes out of the woods and just sits next to this lantern as it's just kind of hovering and barely moving. It reached this point where it just kind of sat there for a second. It just sits there for, I don't know, three to five seconds, not long. And then it starts back into the woods. Now, we didn't have any Bigfoot activity right there, per se, at the time. But uh, later, we go into the swamp with my dog, and uh, my dog just freezes and refuses to go any further and just turns around, won't even look at the direction we're going. And this is so unlike my dog. My dog just wants to be out there with us. Uh, He's just freak, and he, he wants to go back to camp. So we had to take my dog back to camp and then go back out there. That was kind of weird, but no, we found, I mean, there's big nests and things out there that are built. Uh, Bill Sowards, um, he found this gigantic nest, and this is right in the area. There's reports of one, what was, what they call her, um, this this guy that uh, had, he had no legs and lived out there, um, kind of had a relationship with her. He named her. I'm trying to think of the name that he called her. But she would frequently visit him or just walk by and watch him. They never exchanged things, I guess, from the story. But he would see her regularly. And he lived all alone in a little cabin out there. Um, so that's weird. Um, a lot of people go missing out there um, when they go hunting in the Deadstream Swamp and are never found. Uh, there was a situation where there was a... I think it was a car crash and search and rescue couldn't find the people. And, um, then they came back, um, the spring to find the people in an area that already had cadaver dogs and things and searched right by the car. I mean, it was thoroughly searched. They weren't there. They were found dead and snuggled together. 
um, who knows, you know, not to say that was Bigfoot, but it's kind of ironic that they weren't there when uh, during the original search. And then when they come back in the spring, they're there. Yeah, I think there's, you know, with the missing 411, for example, um, I had Ron Moorhead on a couple of weeks back on the show, and we talked a little bit about that because David Pilatus actually came up and visited at the Sierra camp while they were filming that. And I truly believe that these things have killed people. I believe that they're, they're, I don't think every disappearance in a state park or any hunter that goes out and doesn't come back is, is automatically Sasquatch because I don't think they're all bloodthirsty killing machines, but I do believe that they have probably killed people. They've certainly attacked people. I've heard plenty of accounts of them attacking people. I found it interesting when you were talking earlier that you, you guys is gifting something that you do as far as your research. Not much. I have one area that I concentrate and I gift at a lot. Okay. Uh, and I brought people out there, which has irritated them. I've had it to where I brought people out there and showed them how I place apples in the tree. I'm six foot eight. I pull branches down and jab the apple on it and let the tree go back up because I'm trying to rule out anything else possibly that can get it, deer and all that. And uh, I put these apples out, group of people showing them the area, and I come back the next day to check them. They're all gone and every branch I hung on was snapped just that the area was just ravaged and destroyed and uh now I've had good relationships with them there okay they built me a bench this year they know where I sit every time I go out there after I gift and that I go gift and I go back out there it was a day or two after and right where I sat is a bench built with a big tree that they I would think that they would have had to stomp on it to snap it in half, almost perfectly in half. And then it was set on two other dead trees that they brought into this area. We've got video. This wasn't there. Then two days later, it's here. And uh, I, I use it to this day. I go back there and I gift them. Um, I go have my cigarette, have, have a cocktail and just listen after I put the apples up. And I really believe they did that for me. Also in this same area, I camped out alone with my dog one night and had to leave the next morning early for a storm. Could only get part of my gear out before the storm hit. I come back the day after the storm clears, and as I'm walking up, all of a sudden, I don't know, I feel like I'm having a stroke or a heart attack or something. I just, I don't, I don't feel right. I'm like, I go, I don't even go in there. I go straight to the, the hospital. The hospital tells me that I had an anxiety attack. Um... Maybe I did, maybe I didn't. I no reason to, but it just this feeling came over me, which I think is EMF, electromagnetic frequency poisoning. Okay, so I get out of the hospital. I'm only there for the. I'm in and out the same day. The next morning, I go out there. Um, there's an old Impala out there from the 70s. It's an old apple orchard that's now all overgrown. Okay, in this Impala, the firewall is ripped out. And with the clutch and everything attached, ripped out of this, my tent, the poles are taken out and wrapped around trees. This firewall is laying on my top of my tent, which is about uh, 40 yards from where the Impala is. And the whole area, the trees and everything are just ravaged and destroyed and, and busted. Like they, like they destroyed it. I made a mat. And uh, so, yeah, but I've also had good things with them. Like I say, they've gifted me. I, I think, see, I, I've, 
I learned the hard way. I learned, you know, you don't just bring people, especially if you're gifting them and they're starting to know. And so you don't just bring people in with this. They don't like that. Uh, the ones in this area do not like dogs in the woods. I've learned that. You just have to be careful. Uh, gifting can be good or it can be bad, in my opinion. I still continue to do it in this area. I have success. A whole bag of apples won't. I put out a whole bag of apples in the morning and went to work and came back in the afternoon. They're all gone. I put out a bag of apples and as I'm walking out, I can hear things coming up towards where I just was. So, Yeah, I think it's fascinating that you're interacting on that level and they're actually, you said, gifting back. They built me a bench. They left me rocks and things. Uh, yeah. They've built me glyphs in my area. They've built beautiful artwork of stuff right by the gifting tree, which I consider as a gift. One day it's not there, the next day, and it's impossible for it to happen overnight. It's not going to fall in there. There's no people out there wasting, it would take a human hours to create some of the things they create out there. Yeah, that's really fascinating, man. So I don't I don't necessarily ask everybody this question that, that comes on the show, but given your interaction, because it runs the gamut, right? When I do these interviews, like I said, I, I talk to people who have horrifying encounters where these things are in their face and they're fearing for their lives and and it's a very aggressive encounter. And then I talk to, I've, I've talked to other people and interviewed other people that it's almost a habituation site on their property that do the gifting and the different type of encounter. So given given that dynamic and that that polar opposite sort of experience. What do you think these things are? I wish I had an answer for that. I, I really do. I, I can't answer it, but I can tell you what I believe. So, so I don't want your listeners to think that I'm saying this is what they are. Uh, I believe they're a relic hominid. They're an archaic human primate. That's what I believe. More human than primate. I, I wish there, I had the answer but I don't. That's my belief, though. Well, there's clearly no right or wrong answer because nobody knows at the end of the day. But I, mm -hmm. I tend to agree with you. I think they're more of a relic hominid as well, probably very close to, to us on the, the tree. So it's interesting to me, though, that there's so many different camps out there. And you're, you're a researcher, so you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's fascinating mm -hmm. to me that in this subject, it, we're, we're talking about a novel species, right? That's, that's not a proven species and not recognized by science. And you have people that are so polar opposites in their opinions. Um, you say relic hominid. I say relic hominid. I had Dr. Jeff Meldrum on the show last week. He thinks there's some sort of relic hominid. And I get so much grief after that show airs because people are so upset that he basically calls them an ape. So, but... At the end of the day, the science has to point us in, in the direction that we go, right? Because we all have our opinions about what these things are, but it's not about what we think, it's about what we can prove. So the, the physical evidence that, that we gather from that's left behind by these things is basically all we have. We have footprints, we have casts of footprints, we have video, we have the Patterson-Gimlin film. We have vocalizations, the Sierra sounds, the Ohio howls, the, all these things. And they point us in one direction, but 
there's all these different camps out there that that battle with each other. And I, I really I don't know, as a researcher, do you get that from other people? Do you guys take a certain approach and then you have other people in the research community that look look at you like you're crazy or call you flute players because you may be gifting or whatever the case may be? What's your experience with other researchers? Time to fire up the grill. Time to go to Total Wine and find the perfect flavor to pair with those burgers. Ooh, I love their beer cooler. <laughs> you love their prices even more. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Today on News 4 at 4, we're working for you. An inside look at the local COVID vaccine trial for kids. What children reported days after getting the shot and how it could impact the timeline of kids being vaccinated. Today at 4 p.m. on NBC4. Tonight, it's the Voice Live Rounds and Nick Jonas wants his first win. Let's get this done. Who's got what it takes and whose dream ends here? Watch live and vote to save your faves. The Voice Live Rounds, tonight on NBC. I guess is my question. Well, I, I try to come at it at, at the standpoint that nobody knows, okay? Anything I, I tell you is my belief or theory, okay? And I give you this by my studies or personal experience, okay? It let me see a Bigfoot cloak in the woods. Let me watch one portal. Let me watch a ball of light turn into Bigfoot, and then I will be on that, on that side. Um, I'm not against it. Okay, because nobody can prove it. And I know there's there is a lot of controversy and bickering that goes on with what people believe that these 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 creatures are. One day, hopefully in my lifetime, we'll know the answer. But we're not about fighting with people. Everybody's entitled to their opinion unless they become rude and and argumentative and insultive. They're entitled to their opinion. We allow them to have it. And I prefer I prefer a good, clean discussion. And, you know, show me. Show me why Bigfoot cloak. Show me how a Bigfoot can appear in your motel room at night and massage your prostate and cure you. You know, I'm not going to say the name that said that, but it's out there. Uh, show me this. Prove this. I mean, because th- these same people want me to prove my theory. They want me to prove that they're just flesh and blood and they can't portal. Uh, it, it's two ways. It goes two ways and, and nobody knows. And we'll never get the answer if people continue to argue and not at least consider what other people say. Yeah, I agree, man. I, I think that's the, the best approach. And that's that's the way I approach my show. You know, I, I don't like to have people on the show, A, that I don't believe. I don't think of anybody that I've interviewed so far that I just flat out thought, you know, I don't believe this guy or I don't believe this lady because everybody's experiences are their own. Right. So I just put it out there for people to digest and they they make their own minds up about what they hear and, and the encounters that we we put on the show. It just fascinates me that people are so in their camp that if, if you're not if you don't think the same way they do, there's nothing to discuss. You know, if it's not a big ape running around in the woods that smacks trees and yells like a banshee, then I don't want to talk to you. And it, and the, the opposite is true. If it's if you don't believe that they're more than an animal and that they have interdimensional traveling capabilities and they cloak and all these things. And I just I'm an evidence guy. Right. I if if the evidence mm-hmm. proves that or points in that direction, sure. L- let me ask you, and I don't want to get too far off subject. I know this is about your encounters, but I'm curious about your opinion no, on whatever you want bro. on on some of the 
the evidence that's out there, like the Patterson-Gimlin film, for example. What What is your take on the Patterson-Gimlin? You know, my take when I look at it is it's impossible to be faked, but I'm not a professional to be able to answer that. But what I do know is it's been uh, analyzed through uh, years of, of movie productions, and it was it was impossible to create at that time. But then again, how is it, you know... Uh, Patterson and Gimlin, rest in peace, Patterson and Gimlin, a great human being. How is it they go out on horseback the very first on the very first try to go find them and find them? I, I, I mean, you have to look at that. Now, I'm not saying it's impossible, but they're not easy. You know, it's easy to find their area. It's not easy to find them. I would definitely agree with that. And I, I think that's one of the things that I, I personally believe that Patty is a real animal. I believe that that is a real live mm-hmm. Sasquatch that, that they filmed that day. I don't know how it came about, but I, I, I've chosen to believe that. For a lot of years, I didn't really know what to think of it. And the more that I've educated myself and the more I've looked at the evidence, the more I think that it's authentic. And that that's part well, of the Brian, problem. You know, the power of suggestion for media. We were all told it was fake after it came out. We got Bob Hieronymus swearing he wore a, uh, the suit. He passes a lie detector. R- Roger Patterson takes a lie detector. He passes too. Um, why people didn't believe it was real is because one man claimed he wore that suit. And the media put that out there as this man wore that suit without even validating it, without even verifying that it was true, that was put out there. So that was a huge problem with it. and that's a problem we face today i could go get the best footage tomorrow and it's going to get scrutinized so much and even if everything lines up the the metadata and all that lines up there's still going to be somebody out there saying yeah and i think part of the problem with that is there are so many hoaxers for whatever reason feel compelled to hoax Sasquatch evidence. And I've, I've never really understood that. I don't, I don't know if it's a, it's a 15 minutes of fame thing or what the case is. Mental illness. It, it could be any of those things, right? Nobody really knows, mm-hmm. but it just, it really pisses me off because there are real people out there who have so many real encounters. And like I say, they're not all the friendly forest giants, right? There's, there's a lot of really, traumatic encounters that people have with these things that they hold on to for years and they're they're embarrassed to tell their stories and for for every one person that comes on the show i say it all the time there's probably three or four more people i talk to that will not come on the show to share their story because they just don't want the ridicule i talk to them offline i let them tell me and i treat them like real people and they feel better because even their family doesn't believe them but there's so much stuff out there that people put out as real evidence. And here's what I think, my personal opinion. I'm going to throw my opinion out there. I think a lot of these people have real, live, genuine encounters of some sort at one time or the other. And for whatever reason, it just isn't enough. And then the hoaxing starts. Well, I've told people my true story, and yeah, that was okay, but it didn't really get me anything. So now I've got to go out and hoax some foot footprints, right? Or I've got to go out and you know. do do a video of this or a video of that. And then, well, it kind of leads me into Todd Standing. I don't know what to make of Todd Standing's videos. If those are in fact real, that should be 100% 
undeniable HD quality proof that Sasquatch is real and that it exists today. I have my doubts. Uh, I do too, but guess what? These doubts come from people that say, oh, look at this. They try to debunk it. Now, can I say it's real that Todd, that Todd got that? No, I can't. But what I can tell you, and it's not, I mean, I follow Todd on, on Instagram. What I can tell you is the man really does what he says he's doing. He's really out there in the field alone doing this. Why would he do this? Okay. Todd standing isn't a millionaire. He's I, not, he has not gotten rich off of this. I totally get you. So I, you have, you, you have to look at all of it. Why would he continue to do this? Even after people are calling him a fake and making fun of his stuff and he's still out there, you know, I, I can tell you for a fact, his lungs are destroyed from, you know, mine are from smoking. His is from the cold air. In yeah. northern Canada, being out there in the sub-zero temperatures, that'll destroy your, your vessels in your lungs. Well, uh, I, got, I got so many questions when I had Dr. Meldrum on because they had worked together. They were on Discovering Bigfoot together. Dr. John yeah. Benernagel was on Discovering Bigfoot. And I got so many questions about everybody wanted me to grill Dr. Meldrum on my show and have him denounce Todd Standing in public. And I said, you know... First of all, if you, if you have a conversation with Dr. Meldrum, you, you figure out what a great guy he is. He's a, he's a super nice guy. He's very giving of his time, and he knows his stuff. And I purposely didn't push him on the show and ask those questions. We, we ran out of time, and I was going to ask the Todd standing question, and he has said he's going to come back on the show. And if and when he does, I'm going to ask him that question in the most respectful way possible because I, I do think it begs an answer because he's associated with him. And if he knows something or he, there's something he can shed light on, I think he, he should answer that question. It wasn't relevant at the time of the interview. I've, I've reached out to Todd. I'd like to have him on the show. I'd like for him to answer those questions and, and maybe lay some of that to rest. Um, I don't know if that'll happen. I, I do think that not necessarily him, but the hoaxers that, that hoax things and put it out there as legitimate just sets everything back decades and decades and decades. I really do. Um, and I, I wish people would stop and let the real people who are doing the real research, who are really getting great evidence, bring that forward. Because here's what happens. When you have that type of environment with hoaxers, people who have phenomenal evidence, they don't bring it out. It's like you said earlier. I, I'm not going to bring the best video that I have with all the metadata matching up perfectly because I know it's 100% legit because all people are going to do is say, that's too good, it's fake. I really don't know where we go from here, honestly. It's 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 a frustrating sort of maddening things for, for people. And most of my audience are believers. I'm certainly a believer that these things are real. I've had my own encounters. I've, I've never seen one, but I've had encounters where I know that they were there. And it just pisses me off that that the real encounters get pushed aside because what happens in the media is the second anybody throws any doubt that way, that's all you hear. Oh, Bob Hieronymus said he was in the suit, so that's got to be fake, and that's all you hear. You don't hear about the backstory. You only need one person, right? One yeah. person to say they did it. And, yeah. Absolutely, man. You, Absolutely. You know, Brian, it's about integrity and professional professionalism. It, it really is. And... I can tell you for a fact that if if Dr. Meldrum had got one whiff 
of fraud from Todd's, Todd standing, he would not associate with him. So it's something you have to consider. Now, yeah, there's a lot of post negative about pretty much every Bigfooter out there, but I do not believe for one minute Meldrum would still associate with standing if if Meldrum had caught him in a hoax. I, I just don't believe it. Yeah, that's exactly, and that was one of the reasons ultimately that I didn't push the question in the hour plus that I that I had with him on the show last week because it wasn't relevant. Because, like I said, you you have a three minute conversation with this guy and you know that he is one hundred percent legit. He's not going. He's very careful with his words. He's very thoughtful and meticulous with his science, and he is not going to associate with that knowingly. Now, people can be fooled. I've said that for years. Back before I, I, I really took a look at the Patterson-Gimlin film, which has been analyzed second only to the JFK assassination, right? And when I first thought that that may have been faked, I looked at Bob Gimlin, right? I, I don't know Bob personally. I know people who know Bob Gimlin. And there is no way. I know Bob has been offered a million dollars in real cold, hard cash to come out and say, yes, we faked that. And Bob's not a rich man, okay? And he turned it down flat within about three seconds and said, nope, what you see is what happened. So That's integrity. It, exactly, it's integrity. Now, the only time I've ever said, well, maybe Bob wasn't in on it, right? Maybe he was hoaxed. That's the only way possible that I would ever believe that Bob would have been involved in that is if he had no knowledge whatsoever. And of course, I guess that's a possibility. But when you really look at that film and you go back and, and you have scientists who have taken a look at it, Dr. Meldon told me on my show, I asked him, you think it stood the test of time? And his answer was, I absolutely believe that as much as I possibly can without actually having stood there with them and saw it myself. So that was good enough Brian, for me. Brian. Yes. So if Bob was hoax, let's look at it this way, which is a possibility. Why would you, Bob had a rifle. Okay. Roger Patterson, they had rifles. You, what you would, if, if you were going to have somebody involved in a hoax, wouldn't you want to let them know, don't shoot it. It's Bob Hieronymus. <laughs> and that's so the Bob other thing. No, exactly. no, exactly. Yeah. So I, I have something I want to talk about, though. Something you mentioned, if we can jump back a little bit about absolutely. people and reports. Um, I power of suggestion is so strong, and I even said after twelve years in the woods and having to deal with some uncomfortable situations. If you're out there looking for Bigfoot, power of suggestion is everything you hear something in the woods and you're looking for Bigfoot, the average, most people are going, if Bigfoot's on your brain, are going to associate whatever you heard with Bigfoot. So a lot of people that say this happened to them, because a lot of animals do weird things, bobcats in the woods, screaming and all that. And uh, if they're out there, they, 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 most people will automatically sit, think it was Bigfoot. Yeah, I've I've heard that numerous times. And I think that's a natural human thing. It's a it's a natural human reaction. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're going out and you're looking for something, everything and I think that's one of the things that, that I don't like about some of the shows that are on television, right? I loved finding Bigfoot. 
I thought it was an entertaining show. I loved Cliff. I love Renee. I love Bobo. Not such a fan of Matt Moneymaker. But just the way that they went about the show and, and knowing what I know now about people like Cliff and Bobo outside of the show, I know they didn't like the way that the show was done. They, they had completely different ideas on how that should have been approached mm-hmm. because they were serious about trying to, to, to come to a conclusion on this thing and, and proving that it exists, right? But even that, you know, the it, it got to a point, and I don't know if it was a lot, I'm sure it was probably a lot of editing, but I'm sure a lot of it happened. You know, ooh, that noise there, the, oh, that's got to be a squatch. Well, no, it could have been something else. And I think that's what does some of the the community in general a disservice is that we have a lot of that, right? I see it all the time in the Facebook groups that I'm on and talking to people about their encounters and sharing the show on Facebook. I see it all the time. People post pictures of a fallen tree and it's got to be a Sasquatch. Well, no, it looks like a tree fell. It's a little different situation when you're going out. Like you said, and you're putting apples, you know, you're pulling limbs down and they're 11, 12 feet off the ground, and you come back a few hours later and they're gone. I mean, what, what what's the explanation for that? I don't know. But it's a lot more likely that it was something like a Sasquatch versus you're walking along and, you know, you hear a tree snap. Well, okay. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily mean it's Bigfoot, right? It could be other things. And I think that's where when you get into that Sasquatch mode, I think people lose their sense of well, it could be something else. You just lose your objectivity because you want to prove it so bad. And I think that's one of the worst things you can do, honestly, when you're trying to prove something. Because once you do that a couple of times, people look at you like, well, no matter what I say, you're going to believe it was a Sasquatch. So there's really nothing to talk about, you know, because you've made up your mind. So, mm-hmm. Well, uh, let me give you an example, Brian. <clears throat> we had a team member, okay? And we were on a camp out in a very active area that we know where they're at. We know they're there, okay? Too many reports, things that I haven't even told you about yet that maybe we'll get into another show because we've only got like about 15 whatever minutes left. This, uh, the coldest day of the year, this person is like, there's tree knocks out there everywhere. Okay, it was like 13 degrees, the coldest day of the year here in Michigan. People have to understand things the moisture in the trees will cause them to pop and it sounds exactly like a loud tree knock okay so it's it's 13 degrees out and there's trees popping everywhere and this person that was a a member is coming in man they're out there knocking trees everywhere and but they just they didn't have the knowledge to understand that when it's that cold trees pop yeah just just simple things like that that I don't know how people sort of lose that. I guess it's easy when you're when you're really into a subject and you want to prove it really, really badly that you just automatically move to that. You know, it's got to be whatever you want it to be is what it is sort of thing. So and it just brings me back to I think the the biggest or the best evidence that we have currently going now, because, I mean, the Patterson Gimlin film was filmed in 1967 and if it's the holy grail of catching one of these things on film, what's happened since then? I mean, it's 2021, and outside of a couple of videos here and there that may or may not be authentic, we have sounds recorded. We have people recording wood knocks. We found structures in the woods that may or may not have been made by a Sasquatch. Mm-hmm. We've got 
footprints, foot castings, even the Sierra. The big sound. one we have. Go ahead. Brian, the big one we have is hair. But the whole problem is we have nothing to compare it to. Uh, it is. It, it come, a lot of hair has been come back as undetermined, no, no known species. Okay, but it comes back as a species, but not known. We don't have anything to compare it to. That's why the hair that's found can't be classified as Bigfoot. Why is this? Why is this being hidden? It's obviously being covered up. Okay, it's being covered up by the Department of Interior. Um, who knows? Logging industries, oil industries. Who knows? Uh, but developers. There's a reason, a, a deep reason. Because this should have been proven a long time ago. The evidence is there, okay? I agree. And, and I've heard lots of stories about people talking about sort of the men in black that, that show up on some of these scenes. And, you know, I don't know. I, I, I clearly, it's, it's anecdotal evidence. It's evidence, but it's anecdotal, of course, that, you know, most of this stuff can't be proven, that there's a cover-up. You know, most people in the community that I talk to on some level believe there is a cover up. Um, I believe that on some level as well. I don't think it's probably as deep state as as a lot of people think, in my well, opinion. Why don't we talk about why don't we why don't we talk about the bill that was passed in Florida way a long time ago, decades ago, to protect the skunk skunk ape? Well, the bill passed, but they don't they don't follow it. It just just swept under the rug. You know, you got Oregon, okay? I believe it's Oregon. No, Washington State. They're protected there. Um, What's the place in New York? Uh, Whitehall, New York. There is an ordinance. They are protected. Why is this? Why? Why would they do it if they don't exist? That's true. And I believe that, you know, these... These laws, for example, like you said, to protect the skunk skunk ape in Florida. I asked myself this question, like, I used to think it was about the forestry industry. I used to think it was about money. And on some level, I think it probably is. But I'm more in the camp now that it's more about rewriting the history books, really, because... If you come out tomorrow and it's proven that these things exist, A, check that box. B, not only do they exist, but it's very much like you and I believe they are. They're very closely related, more human than ape relic hominid, right? If that happens, they have human rights. Would that, with being known as a hominid, comes human rights. Exactly. And then you start rewriting the history books, then land starts being taken, and there's this whole snowball effect. And I think the cover-up that everybody's talking about is to prevent that, in my opinion. I think that is the cover-up. Well, you're missing a big part, too. What happens to the Bible? Think about it. Oh, yeah. It would if complete... they came out with this, where now where do they fit in in our evolutional and biblical cycle if they're, if they're validated? There's oh yeah, so many things. I agree, man. I, it's 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 one of those subjects we could probably talk for the rest of the night about. But I know you've got another show to get to, so we can wrap it up there, man. But I would love to have you back again on the show. I, I've really enjoyed talking to you, and I've really enjoyed the encounter stories. And I know you got a ton more to share. So would you be willing to come back and do another show? 
you know it, and I'd be willing to help you out and get you other people I trust deeply with their encounters to do a show with you. Absolutely, man. I would love that more than anything. So I really appreciate can you the coming Lost Cryptids, Can the Lost Cryptids get a shout-out about our uh, July 17th conference? Absolutely. That we have in Michigan? Yeah, yeah. it's going to be in Michigan on July 17th. Yep, Ann Arbor, Michigan, July 17th from 9 a.m. to 11 p.m. Scheduled guest speakers are Cliff Barackman, Adam Davies, Ken Gerhardt, um, Robert Kreider. Um, those are the other ones. We're also going to allow some paranormal ghost stuff because we have vendors and we have multiple areas so they can do their things. We're going to have uh, Miranda Young, the ghost biker girl. Yeah, it's going to be a fun event. Where, so, can, uh, where can folks go to get tickets? Uh, we have a site, um, the Michigan Bigfoot Conference com. Awesome. Well, I suggest everybody goes out and get their tickets. And Chad, I can't thank you enough for being on the show, man. Brian, thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. And that's going to do it for tonight's show. Folks, remember, if you've had an encounter and you'd like to be on the show, please shoot me an email. You can give me a brian at sasquatchodyssey.net. Thanks so much, and I'll see you guys next week.